Hello everyone, my name is John Robinson and welcome to the premiere episode of the Libertarian Socialist Caucus podcast. One of the issues on the agenda today is think of a new name for the podcast because Libertarian Socialist Caucus podcast doesn't really roll off the tongue for me, maybe for you, but I'm still not completely sold. So that's on the agenda, but that's for later. Right now, let's talk about the three big documents that are being voted on right now in the Libertarian Socialist Caucus uh, Facebook group. We have the pledge, the mission statement, and the statement of principles. Now, before we go into that, I suppose I should explain what the Libertarian Socialist Caucus of the Libertarian Party is. Well, pretty much what it says on the tin. Uh, we are a group of libertarians, members of the Libertarian Party, who believe that libertarian socialism, as opposed to what might be called libertarian capitalism, is a better way of reaching the goals of the Libertarian Party. Those goals being living in a free and open society with the principles of non-aggression being observed, being the standard basis for behavior. Many people in the Libertarian, libertarian uh, Party believe that capitalism is a way to go to get to that. We believe it's socialism. Now, the, another problem is that when you say that, it points, it puts capitalism and socialism diametrically opposed. You're either a capitalist or you're a socialist, and never the twain shall meet, and capitalism is everything open market free market, private property, individual rights, and socialism is government. Everything is controlled by the government, redistributed by the government, enforced by the government, et cetera, et cetera. That's not how we see those two words. We see capitalism and socialism really almost the same. Capitalism and socialism are, for the large part, pretty much lined up. We both like markets. We really like markets. We like buying and selling. We like not telling people what to do. We like people having privacy and civil rights. We're all for that. Both of us are for that. There's no real disagreement between what we consider socialism and what they consider capitalism in regards to that. Where there is a difference is on the subject of property. And I don't mean property as in like owning this. This is a possession. I mean property specifically in land. Land is a bit different. Not as different as uh, some have made it out to be, but a bit different. Land is where you exist, not something you have. So the rules for land, we think, in order to have a free and open market without the threat of violence that comes with private property, needs to have some of the rules for property changed. And that's a very long, difficult discussion, which we'll get into in later episodes when we have people who are more intelligently informed on it on as guests to talk about the differences between private property and occupation use and yada, yada, yada. But that's just where the differences are. I'm just stating that. You've got libertarian socialists, occupancy and use, libertarian capitalists, private property, those are the that's the big difference and it's a big difference i'm not trying to dismiss it as being a big difference it is a big difference but it's that's the difference it's not everything else it's not redistribution of wealth it's not um government we both don't want government we both want 
open societies. We both are completely okay with markets. We like, I like markets. I love markets, trading, buying, selling, great stuff. See no reason why any of that should be restricted or anything like that. But there is that difference. That's why we're here. So in order to get that point across, uh, we have started the Libertarian Socialist Caucus within the Libertarian Party. We're all good libertarians in that we have signed the non-aggression principle pledge. Uh, we believe in the five uh, points of liberty that David Nolan came up with. Good libertarians, voting for libertarians, stuff like that. But we're a caucus, which means we have our own legislation agenda, which we try to promote within the Libertarian Party, within the rules of the Libertarian Party. And to that effect, we have a caucus, and caucuses need certain things like a pledge, a mission statement, and a statement of principles. And thus, here we are today. So let's go over the pledge. First thing we got is the pledge. Now, this is sort of a mirror of the uh, Libertarian Party pledge. Let me just get that up there so I can make sure I'm quoting that uh, completely. This is what you need to pledge to be a um, member of the Libertarian Party. This is the main requirement. To be a member of the Libertarian Party, you have to take this pledge. Now, whether you actually abide by the pledge is really up to your own conscience. And I know, based upon the arguments made, that some people in the Libertarian Party have very strange ideas about how to uphold this pledge. So if you think our ideas are strange, I can't say they're the most strange. There have been other outliers out there before. But anyway, this is the Libertarian Pledge for the Libertarian Party, all of it. The Libertarian Pledge, a statement individuals must sign in order to join the Libertarian Party of the United States of America, declares, I hereby certify that I do not believe in or advocate the initiation of force as a means of achieving political or social goals. That's the pledge right there. you got to agree to that to be a member of the Libertarian Party. A lot of people take that to mean an endorsement of the non-aggression principle, which is a fairly uncontroversial statement within the Libertarian Party. The non-aggression principle is basically, you can do whatever you like, just don't do anything aggressive, aggressive basically. Don't aggress towards anybody. Don't use a coercion or the threat of force or fraud to achieve your goals. Defensive violence is okay, can't be aggressive. No aggression. Non-aggression principle is that. Now, the Libertarian Socialist Caucus is adding something additional to that. In order to be a member of the Libertarian Socialist Caucus, you have to pledge not only that pledge, but this pledge as well. Let's see. I certify that I oppose all forms of aggression, exploitation, and hierarchical relationships of domination to achieve economic goals. That's in addition to the non-aggression principle pledge. That's what you have to pledge to be a member of the Libertarian Socialist Caucus. So that's in addition to the normal pledge. Now, we do have, um, I am going to mispronounce this name probably, I apologize. We have Anna Canetti um, with us right now. She can't, her microphone's not working, but she is hopefully uh, listening in and can text uh, questions. So let's see. You had some problems with some of the language, I believe, Anna. Could you possibly tell us what you think of the pledge that we just read off? Also, I believe you had some problems with the, um, with natural rights and with the non-aggression principle. So we can discuss those two if you'd like. Okay. Uh, while we're waiting for Anna's answer, uh, let's see. Should point out. Uh, okay. Yep. Yeah, she's typing it up right now. 
The next step after all of these have been uh, ratified, or they have been ratified, modified, so they can be ratified, is to come up with bylaws for the caucus. Now, these will probably be uh, done with consensus uh, meetings and agreement in mind, because, hey, we're socialists. That's what we do. Uh, it's been a very fine tightrope starting this caucus, because we don't want to be linos. We don't want to be libertarians in name only. We're part of the Libertarian Party. We believe, in most part, in the Libertarian Party. Now, we're anarchists, mostly, but so are a lot of people in the Libertarian Party, so that shouldn't be a problem. But we also want to attract a lot of people into the caucus, and thus into the party who would otherwise never consider joining the Libertarian Party, because they're turned off by the words capitalism and private property. Now, when you say that, to the mainstream typical libertarian, it, it seems weird. Why would you be turned off by those normal innocuous words? Because they're really only normal innocuous to us. We've spent our entire political career or life accepting those words, using them as jar jargon. They're the water we swim in. So water is invisible to a fish. We're the fish in those words. Not everyone has swum in those words like we have. They have very different connotations. Just like they have very different connotations for the words socialism, or even communism for that matter. Not every communist is a Stalinist. Okay, here we go. Uh, from Anna, the NAP, non-aggression principle, fails to distinguish in nuances of violence where physical violence is sometimes necessary as initiation to prevent other more pervasive violence. Well, that's, I don't, I don't know. I mean, usually there is a recognition that threat, threats are initiation of force. I mean, if you're threatening to kill somebody or threatening to shoot somebody, that would be the same, shall we say, permission for self-defense as if you were actually uh, shot or attacked. Now, that only applies to physical versus physical. I don't think it really follows that you could use physical violence due to prevent social or emotional violence. I think there is a hierarchy of violence and no matter how egregious emotional violence is, I don't know if you could use physical violence to prevent it. But I'm not a philosopher on the subject. That is a discussion that should be had on later episodes. But Anna, uh, what do you think Regardless of the NAP, what do you think of the Libertarian Socialist Pledge itself? Uh, while you're thinking about that, I'll read off the um, mission statement that we got. Mission statement, okay. Okay, you approve of the rest of it. That's good. Okay. All right, here's the mission statement. It's a bit wordy because we got a big mission. All right. Years ago, mission statement of the Libertarian Socialist Caucus. The Libertarian Socialist Caucus seeks to honor the principles of non-aggression through recognizing exploitation and specifically economic exploitation as aggression, which should therefore be opposed by the Libertarian Party. State secured monopolies over the means of production and continuing state enforcement of unnatural hierarchical property relations throughout the economy coercively limit choices, thwart individual autonomy, and artificially prop up generalized wage labor and non-labor incomes. As such, exploitation and its enforcement via state-secured privilege necessarily constitutes both theft and aggression and should be recognized as such by the Libertarian Party. 
So what that means essentially is that we think the current private property norms accept, accepted and enforced by the government um, are a main contributor to government tyranny. We think they are examples of government aggression and should be recognized as such by the Libertarian Party. If they do recognize those as aggression by the Libertarian Party, it stands to reason they should be opposed to them. And that would make them Libertarian Socialists. Yay! <laughs> so that's the mission. The mission is to uh, get those recognized as violations of the non-aggression principle, as aggression itself, and thus something the Libertarian Party should oppose. So that's, I mean, that seems fairly straightforward, even if the um, put the mission statement itself uses some, well, shall we say, $5 words. I'm, I'm a sucker for $5 words myself. I tend to use them when I get nervous, so I really can't complain about that. Um, let's move on to the statement of principles. Now, okay. This is modeled after the statement of principles in the uh, Libertarian Party uh, platform. They're very good statement of principles. We have some differences, but in general, we agree with the statement of principles of the Libertarian Party platform. Only disagreements we have are the ones listed here. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> we, the members of the Libertarian Socialist Caucus of the Libertarian Party, join our voices. Mm, let me start again. We, the members of the Libertarian Socialist Caucus of the Libertarian Party, join our voices with libertarians everywhere to resist the authoritarian state and its politically privileged ruling class. We hold that every human being on this planet deserves respect for their autonomous choice to live a life that is fully self-determined and reject the idea that coercive systems of domination have any place in the lives of a voluntary open society of equals. Now, this is a quote right here. We emphatically reject that exploitation, oppression, and hierarchies of domination are voluntary or without aggression, and in seeking the radical goal of complete and equal liberty, the full autonomy and self-determination of all people, we hold that hierarchies must neither exploit nor dominate other human beings. As libertarian socialists, we envision society as universalized mutuality and as maximal consensually sustained social experimentation. We concur that imposed communism would be the most detestable tyranny that the human mind could conceive, and free and voluntary communism is ironical if one has not the right and the possibility to live in a different regime. Collectivist, mutualist, individualist, as one wishes, always on condition that there is no oppression or exploitation of others. As such, we reject all state-secured privileges and monopolies, all totalizing visions, and all imposed absentee hierarchical central planning by the state, state capitalism, and its politically connected ruling class of politicians, lobbyists, lobbyists bureaucrats, bankers, corporations, CEOs, and their violent enforcers of our lives, the economy, and the means to human flourishing and productivity. In its place, we seek radical decentralization of the economy and the complete flourishing of freely associated, directly accountable relationships and institutions that maximize individual autonomy and full control by individuals over their own lives and over the things which directly affect them. Libertarian socialists will often support a diversity of voluntary mutual associations, such as worker-managed co-ops, mutual banks, informal peer-to-peer -peer networks, artisan self-government, non-exploitive markets, barter, communes, and gift economies. We reject attempts to do away with the violent state crutches 
for the marginalized and at risk among us while still maintaining its teeth, and we seek abolition now of its most violent and oppressive elements. We ask the coercive state and its ruling class to stand down and allow people to, in mutuality and solidarity, take direct action to improve their own lives and the lives of their neighbors. We do not wish to liberate the people. We wish for the people to liberate themselves. So that's the statement of principles. Some things. I heard a word a couple of days ago, which is instantly triggering to me. It's one of those words that just, I mean, we all get triggered by some words. If you don't believe me, talk to a libertarian for over an hour. He will get triggered. But we all get triggered by some words or another. One of the words that triggers me is collectivization. That word, I don't like the word. I hear that word, I think Stalinist uh, work farms. It's not a word I want anywhere near anything I do or am going to be in. Not a great word for me. However, I am told that other people use that word to mean forming a co-op. So when you hear stuff like um, full control over the individual's own lives and things that directly affect them, no one is suggesting everything is controlled by the people. We're suggesting that the things that workers work on should be controlled by the workers. We're not suggesting, really, that all factories should be violently occupied and the boss is thrown out. What we are advocating is changing the government regulations and subsidies that prevent the workers from starting their own factories, preventing the workers from starting their own co-ops. Because there's a hundred different little hidden things in the law code, in the tax breaks, and all the stuff that puts real roadblocks in front of co-ops that corporations, for example, simply do not get. Corporations get all sorts of benefits. They get all sorts of laws written in their favor that do not apply to co-ops. That's one of the major problems. That's what we're trying to work against. So those are the laws that we're against, really, are those laws. Also, uh, some of the laws against property. I wish Matt, uh, who is running for mayor of a city in the Midwest, was here because he has a very good platform on how to achieve a libertarian socialist property structure within the strictures of the United States of America. Uh, I hope to have him on as a guest for a later episode so he can discuss that in more detail and talk about how that fits and doesn't fit in the Libertarian Party. But in any event, those are the three main documents we're voting on today, voting ends later today. Once those are accepted, or if they aren't accepted, uh, once they're improved and then accepted, we'll move on to bylaws, uh, policy recommendations, stuff like that. But those are the three foundational documents for the Libertarian Socialist Caucus of the Libertarian Party. I like them. Um, they use a lot of jargon, but we're trying to meld together two of the most jargonific groups imaginable socialists and libertarians i mean we're both lousy with jargon we have to be because our ideas are so outside the mainstream we have to use special terms the problem is we're not using the same special terms so confusion inevitably develops and attempts to thread the needle between those two are going to get wordy that's why it's like this it's kind of inevitable hopefully in 50 years language will change and this would be a much more simpler document to make but we're not there yet um Let's move on to a, another topic that has come up recently with the devastation that hit Harvey, what hit Houston with Harvey, and the anticipated devastation of Florida with Hurricane Irma. 
hold on a second. Uh, I got a message from Anna. We need a few hours to write a different statement of principles for consideration. Do you mind? I don't mind mentioning it at all, certainly. Um, if you go to the Libertarian Socialist Caucus Libertarian page uh, on Facebook, there should be a alternative statement of principles being posted there, uh, hopefully very shortly, because uh, voting would end in five hours. Um, so you may want to read that and change your votes or get in and uh, think about it, stuff like that. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be out there in time, but hopefully it will, and hopefully everyone can consider it, and that'd be great. But moving on to a more press, well, to another pressing matter, was normally known as price gouging. Now, the position of most ec economists that libertarians like, and I would say a lot of libertarians, although not all, is price gouging is a-okay. Now, price gouging, for those of you who aren't familiar with the term, is when the price for goods and services in an area that has been affected by some sort of natural disaster or event increase. Now, some people see that as just greedy people being greedy in order to get more money out of people who are in a bind. But the theory behind price gouging is that all prices are signaling. If prices rise, that's a signal to people who supply stuff that, hey, there's a need here. If you get in and fill this need, you will be compensated. That gets more resources into these areas, which makes sure more people can get the material, which means that prices then go down again. That is the rationale behind price gouging. Really, these, these arguments come down to, should the government put controls on prices in natural disasters and other events like this, or should it allow businesses to set whatever price they want? There's a third option. If we, if we rank the options, I think, in all the way from, no, that's a incredibly bad idea, to this is the preferred action, you've got price controls at the bottom. Price controls are bad. They create inefficiency. They create shortages. They can cause death. It's just, it's a bad road to go down to. Now, price gouging, uh, businesses drastically increasing their prices because of uh, supply and demand, it's not something that should be prohibited. It's not a great thing. It's the doing the best maybe with what intellectual and ideological tools you have, but it's not a great thing. Uh, Anna brings up the good point that customers will um, have memories, and if they have to buy fifty uh, a bottle of water for fifty dollars today, they may not want to shop at that same store tomorrow. That is the point. But again, we're talking about people with limited options; otherwise, they wouldn't be buying fifty dollars fifty dollar bottles of water in the first place. Like I was saying, price gouging not great, not a good look, not a good, not a shall we say morally virtuous act not saying they should be prohibited not the greatest act in the world what would be better well you're seeing it right now you're seeing it with the cajun navy you're seeing it with uh people uh bringing in supplies and water volunteering mutual aid not even formalized mutual aid but just people saying hey they're in trouble i'm going to help them maybe if i'm in trouble they'll help me but that's in the future right now they're in trouble i'll help them Direct action and mutual aid. 
These are things that should be encouraged. These are things the Libertarian Social Caucus does encourage. We encourage the non-government networks that can and should develop, that are perfect, ideal for situations like this. We need more Cajun navies. We need less Red Cross. We need more people thinking it's not even right, but all right for me to pick up and go there and help out. The problem with government, the problem with hierarchy is that it gives you the illusion of removing moral choice. That's what the main sin of government is illusion. Police give you the illusion of safety. Armies give you the illusion of defense. FEMA gives you the illusion of a social safety network. The problem is that all too often these things are actually illusions. They don't deliver on what is promised. Removing those illusions not only says that it is right for you, you the individual, to contribute, to help out, to uh, give money if you can't go, or if you think your presence wouldn't be as effective as giving money, which that's true in a lot of cases. I mean, let's think about Houston. One of the things about Houston is that they don't need people using up their motels and hotels. They don't need people clogging the streets. They need money. They need water, yes, and money. So sending water and money sometimes better than sending yourself. The effective mutual aid is always better than just mutual aid. But if you develop a mindset in the community that not only is it right to help, but that you're permitted to help, that's the great thing. Because right now, all too often, we think we're not permitted to help. We think we're not permitted because often we aren't permitted. Often the cops, the government say, don't go in there, don't help. We've got this under control. Whether they actually have that under control is a completely different matter. That's what they say. The volunteer mindset is what we're trying to reinstill in people. The idea that you as an individual are not only, it's not only a morally praiseworthy act, it's a morally permissible act. That's the thing. You are permitted to help. You're permitted to be the guy who goes in there and does the good thing. You don't have to go through a mediator. You don't have to do it through taxes. Paying taxes doesn't mean that you're off the hook. That's the thing. You're not off the hook. I'm not off the hook. I need to do more, but I'm not off the hook. That's what we're trying to get across with the mutual aid and the direct action talk. You're still responsible for what you can do. You can't put that on the cops. You can't put that on FEMA. You can't put that on the military. You're still responsible. You get to be responsible. You get to be a moral agent. You get to be a fully sovereign individual and say, I can do something. And that's a great thing. I think we're going to call it there. Uh, thank you for watching or listening to the first episode of the Libertarian Socialist Caucus podcast. Uh, stay tuned next week where we will be discussing the upcoming bylaws and profits and property. Should be interesting. Until then.